Three, two, one, and welcome to the Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, David Lewis Charlton, and his water bottle. That is it. <laughs> no Josh Jurieff this week. Um, we'll we'll hopefully get another. Stuff. Yeah, it's his birthday around this time. <laughs> I th- no, he's off cele- celebrating day, Verity's birthday. That's it. That's it. He's he's off at Verity's birthday party this week. Lots going on in February. I think it's either that or Jake's. One of the two. They're the only ones I can think of. And Pete just had his birthday as well. So it could be one of them. Those important people. <laughs> so there's all those birthdays going on in the studio this week. So Josh is at a birthday party. Cake, party poppers and hat on sideways, having a great time. Um, <laughs> we've, yeah, we missed out last week. <clears throat> I was away in Devon. We had half term. So Jeff had the kids away as well. Um, David had a little bit of time off as well, so yeah, we missed out last week. Yeah, <laughs> lost my virginity, guys. Yeah, <laughs> COVID got me. Oh, finally, finally, got, me. finally. It's it's fine. A- got rid of my god complex. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's like, it will never get me. My wife got it. I survived. I was kissing her and eating her food, drinking her water, and nails. Oh, so yeah, David had COVID for a few days. Luckily, didn't hit you too hard. No, yeah. sort of two days of a build-up of flu-like aches and pains, but nothing debilitating. I was like, oh, I might be getting sick. Whereas normally, I'll sort of rest a bit more, not train, eat a bit more, and it goes away. Yeah. And then it turned into swallowing glass for forty-eight hours. <laughs> that was not fun. Oh. And then it was, and then it was pretty much gone. But you shook it off. So pretty. I'd much. like to say I shook it off. But <laughs> if you saw me on those two days, I was like, oh God, I've got to swallow again. Ten seconds later. Oh god, I gotta swallow again. <laughs> that's pretty much that's like the thought process or mind process I think I went through when I was off ill when I had a stroke and was like the first the first thing was like, Oh damn it, I'm not as invincible as I thought I was. <laughs> I thought I could like counter anything. And then that flipped after about a week or so to like, Hey, I survived it. Yeah. So now, <laughs> now, now I can I'm just even get better. Better as yeah. fast as possible. <laughs> So you go through. Hey, thought- Fred, you eighty-year-old. How's your recovery doing? <laughs> so yeah, you spend the first time like, oh no, I'm really vulnerable, and then you're like, wait, I'm even less vulnerable. <laughs> it always reminds me of Mr. Burns when he goes to the doctors on the symptoms, and he's got like, they say he's got every disease and everything known to man and he's like so you're saying i'm invincible and the doctor's like no no quite the opposite he's like one tiny movement could shake all of this off kilter (laughs) so that's the thought process i go through being ill (laughs) generally but yeah glad you're better glad you're good just passed it on to saucia for a little bit and hopefully she's all right yeah she's fine she's had it before she's just got a cold excellent Excellent. <laughs> damn it, that means she's more nails than I am. God damn it. <laughs> Shh, edit that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> That's unconfirmed. <laughs> deny, deny, reaccuse. A <laughs> um, couple of things we're talking about this week. One was, I suppose it's a little bit of a myth buster, although like we've said all the time with this stuff, it is founded in some kind of um realism and there's something that you can take away from it and that's kind of nose breathing nasal breathing when working aerobically so swimming running ski erging biking whatever um breathing in through your nose out through your mouth all that kind of stuff 
I was relating it back to, I remember being told that when I was younger at school doing cross country and saying, yeah, you should be breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. Um, and when you're kind of 15 years old and trying to leg it round some muddy woodland <laughs> trails or something like that, trying to breathe in through your mouth and cut in through your nose, sorry, and calm yourself down. is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, and it was, yeah, brought up again, a client mentioned it this week. They're out running and they said they struggle with their nose breathing. Um, my general Especially message, intensity. yeah, I think my general <laughs> message back to them, there's Run Man Dan. Run Man Dan. I bet he's nose breathing. Run Man Simon. Yeah. Run Man Dan. He's just jogging past our window, talking of nose breathing. He ran oh. 50k yesterday as well. Look how flat he's running. The earth must be flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't appear to be going up or down. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was, he's just jogged past our window. He did a 50k yesterday as well. He was out for six hours. His nails. Just in and out through his nose. Yeah, <laughs> in and out through the nose. Um, so yeah, nasal breathing. We think, or I think generally it can be a way to moderate intensity. Like if someone's running or trying to run, quote unquote, easy or aerobically the whole time. I always think if you've got a good control of your breathing pattern and you are capable or able to breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, um, it's a good marker of intensity because there is going to be a point where you're unable to do that basically the um capacity for taking up oxygen is superseded and so you need to be breathing in more volume and quicker um and that's where breathing in through your mouth is obviously going to help you can get more volume of air in through the body um to work in muscles but it can be used as a bit of a moderator if you are running super easy to start out with but I'd say for people in general especially when you start running um, it's just another thing that you don't necessarily need to be thinking about <laughs> worrying about too much when you're already thinking about um, kind of breathing in general uh, run technique and surviving. form and all that kind of stuff and yeah just surviving the run um, watching out what's what's around you um, but yeah I do think again there's some merit in it I think it can be used at low intensity aerobic work it's not the worst thing in the world to have a reasonable um, understanding of your breathing um, and moderating your breathing for sure as you go um, but yeah beyond a certain intensity personally I don't think it's worth worrying about I think if you kind of for the most part when you've done it for a while putting it to one side your body's naturally going to do what it needs to do anyway I talk about it a lot in swimming is when you swim is you need to focus on breathing out underwater because as soon as you turn your head to breathe your body will naturally take in air anyway because it's it's almost a instinct inbuilt reaction that it can't get any air underwater. So as soon as you turn your head into the air, um, you're going to breathe in naturally, and you just need to focus on the out part. And I think that when you're running at intensity, your body is naturally going to take in as much oxygen as it needs or can do. So breathing in through the mouth is probably going to be a better mechanism than necessarily that. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And then we were talking again, another little client topic that came up was in and around. We do a few evening and weekend classes, like bigger group classes, um, which are a mould of everyone we train normally through one to one through group um, in our PT style environment. We then also do these classes that are kind of open gym a bit more. There's a blend of 
cardiovascular work, of strength work, of endurance, of anaerobic stuff, all of that kind of thing. They're open to anyone. And a lot of what we get to start with, definitely, with new people coming into the gym, is them feeling or thinking that everyone is going to be fitter than them in the class and that they don't that they're a bit nervous, a bit anxious, basically, about giving it a go. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that, about the structure of the classes, um, and try and break down as many barriers when it comes to that as we can do um, in this podcast today. And then also there's uh, a bit of a Netflix documentary, documentary challenge, whatever, that David's been watching that sounds really cool, really interesting, and very, very relevant to this topic. So I'll have a bit of a chat about that. Yeah, so especially with the class, um, even <clears throat> fit and able-bodied people, fitness-wise, uh, can think, oh, I don't know, because everyone will be fitter than me and I don't want to hold the class up and bits and pieces, whereas everyone knows quite a few other people here, especially with all the social events. So hopefully you should know that, you know, we're not judgmental. Mm. And if you've ever listened to any of the podcasts, you know, you can see that context is everything rather than do this or do that um and so there's always going to be adjustments for any capability when you come to a class and it's just ripping off that plaster to come to the first one see that it's actually okay people are all right (laughs) no one's judging no one's saying anything and then after that you sort of realize oh okay it's not that bad and then it's easy to turn up from then on but it's always just getting into that first one to see what it's like but then you can also meet new people as well as see other people's strengths and weaknesses. Some people might be good at squats, but less good at hinges. Some people might be very strong upper body and le- less lower body. Some people could be strong core-wise. Some people, strong people might even struggle with their positioning on their core stuff or range of motion. So everyone's got their stuff that they're working on and they're not really paying attention too much to what everyone else is struggling with too much um so sometimes it can just be nice to see that you know other people are human and yeah other people get covid (laughs) they are human i think a lot with i mean with training in general with like personal training and with classes the way i describe it to everyone and i kind of say this tongue-in-cheek and jokingly to people when they're saying oh this is really tough or that was really hard like i say i just give you the framework and you work within that how intense you work within that is kind of up to you Like, yes, I can advise you and say, hit this target, lift this weight, whatever it might be. But it's still up to you how you're working within that. So giving someone, say, within a class, if there's 90 seconds on a ski erg, everyone, no matter how fit you are, could work themselves to a state of that being very, very intense or that being very, very easy, dependent on how hard you go, how quick you're looking to go, what power output you're putting through all of that kind of stuff and how that is in turn affecting your aerobic capacity. So for example, it'd be very, very easy if you got two ends of the spectrum, if you've got Usain Bolt at one end and Paula Radcliffe at the other as an aerobic runner and a sprinter and you got them in the gym, it would be very, very easy to tire them both out very quickly because you just do the counter to what they train naturally. Usain Bolt, you're going to do something a bit more endurance-based, make him hold something for a long period of time under stress and tension. 
with Radcliffe, you're going to try and get her to do something super intense or heavyweight or something like that. And you can burn them both out quite quickly. And the message along there is that everyone has strengths and weaknesses, no matter what level of performance they're at. It's why I find the, I know it's a little bit of a, I guess a clickbait title, but the fittest on earth that CrossFitters use. And I just think it's a crazy argument. It's like when you talk about sport and people are like, oh, who's the goat in this sport? It's like, well, you can't compare across eras. You can't compare across sports or whatever it might be. And it's the same with the fitness stuff. It's like, I don't think you could ever truly call someone the fittest person on earth because there's just so much to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Like even the two of us sat here, we could come up with a range of tests that we'd both excel at and suck at in equal measure quite quickly. Um, It really wouldn't be that difficult to do. Um, But then relatively, many people may call us quite fit. Other people might say, think we're not that fit, dependent on where we're testing, who we're comparing against and all that kind of stuff and what markers we're comparing against. So essentially, yeah, those classes are frameworks and everyone can work within that framework. Um, so it caters for kind of all needs. We have a pretty wide range, really, of people that train with us. Wide range of capabilities and there's always options along the way. And they're generally all good people. Mm-hmm. Most of them. The people that come here are anyway. <laughs> people that work here, not so much. <laughs> um, put my judgmental eyes on. Yeah. <laughs> no, every... Uh, that's the nicest thing. And it's easy for us to say, and when we started out, it was something that we were really, really keen on doing, is having a similar sort of... Not necessarily similar sort of personality, but people working towards similar sort of goals and with similar sort of mindset across the board. And thankfully, I think Touchwood, we've managed to do that so far in the studio. Um, we've had the odd case of um, people coming in that aren't quite of that mindset and just goes by the wayside quite quickly because it just doesn't fit. It's not a great fit. It's the environment that we encourage. Um it's the kind of people that we train. It's the kind of people that we are as coaches as well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're definitely all inclusive. And I think this, I mean, you know, gymming in general, like when people say, oh, I'm worried about going in X space, completely understand it. It's an alien environment to go into the free weights area or to go and run on a treadmill in a commercial gym. 99% of the people in there, one, aren't judging, aren't looking, probably more concerned about what they're doing or about themselves. Um, and anyone that is judgmental, um, I think for the most part, probably is a little bit of insecurity on their side and being portrayed outwardly, for sure. Plus, everyone's a weirdo. So (laughs) even outside of fitness, personality-wise, all kinds of people, all welcoming, come and be weird. We've got a few of them. (laughs) Shotgun, one of them. Excellent. And then, what's Netflix? Fit 100? Physical 100. Physical 100. So it ties in nicely. So Mm. it's sort of described as a Korean squid games meets CrossFit games. And so the idea of it is, I mean, they talk aesthetic, aesthetically, but, you know, once they start doing performance-wise, there's no actual aesthetical judgment on the physique whatsoever. But it's just to say... We're going to take the fittest people from all sorts of backgrounds. So it's very interesting to see sort of 
again, different body shapes depending on your sport or background. So it varies from bodybuilding to crossfitting to actors and actresses to stuntmen and stunt women to dancers to just actors to models to luges, <laughs> military people. So it's a, a good baseball player. So it's a good wide range of physiques and you can sort of see how different physiques tend to <clears throat> mold into one depending on their background and sport. And again, that will be because of the training style that they do will produce specific adaptations that across the board, this sport means these adaptations occur because of the training necessary for it. Um, and so they just tried to get a wide range of the 100 fittest people, quote-unquote, in Korea, and then put them through different physical challenges and then see who comes out fittest at the end over nine episodes. Nice. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredibly bad but good dubbing, so sometimes <laughs> you might need to fast-forward a little bit because especially at the beginning you'll see repeats of the same challenge just with different people um, but it is very interesting to see someone who might look very very aesthetic and fit and then for example in the first round it's a fight slash so the idea of the goal is there's a ball in the middle of the ring or two different sort of playground rings and you have three minutes, one-on-one, -on -one, and it's whoever's holding the ball at the end of those three minutes. However you want to get there is your choice. Play to your strengths. And so you see different physiques and backgrounds come up against each other. Um, some will naturally have an advantage, such as the MMA fighters and wrestlers. But similarly, if you're a parkour runner, etc., if you're able to get the ball and then just run around the playground and avoid the other person, you can win that way. Whereas other people try to literally just wrestle the other person without thinking of the ball <laughs> until the last 10 seconds. And then once they fatigue them and held them down, go and get the ball. So it's just a very interesting sort of visually of seeing different physiques and then how they cope under different physical performances. <clears throat> and then again, similarly, the different training that you've had will have a huge impact on what you're good at and what you're weak at. Um, and then different different challenges, different adaptations needed, different types of games over the sort of episodes, and then they just dwindle people down over time. I think it was episode maybe six, seven or eight towards the end when the challenges are brutal. <laughs> Simple but brutal. I won't spoil it just in case anyone does want to watch it. But yeah, some of them are towards the end. As soon as you have fit people, I say fight, competing against other fit people, everyone sort of, again, poor dubbing, but everyone says, oh, it's now come down to a battle of the mind <laughs> after every single one towards it where it gets <laughs> tough. You've got fit people who are physically able to do it. It's just who can push through to the end to beat the other person when it's a one-on-one -on -one or a team where you've only got one person or a few people going through, but it's who can hold on the longest. And it is, it does come down to a bit of mindset because you have to be able to endure some level of pain 
even if you are fit, you're still going to be pushed to your limit and it's going to hurt. I think especially when there's like a gaming element as well, I, I just think this, even with something that's quite simple, like say the erg or the rower or things like that, is like being able to concentrate and focus under fatigue is like a massive skill. And I think that a lot from training is what people develop at the same time that <clears throat> probably gets overlooked for the physical characteristics that you get and strength that you get from certain things is that people develop mentally of oh, last time I was this fatigued but I managed to keep on going that's a huge sort of feather in the cap and allows progress as well like especially when someone's new to fitness and they start out is skill acquisition I think is massive and mental acquisition is massive more so than strength like your physique doesn't develop as quickly as your mind may do or your understanding of an exercise or something may do so in that case as well like being able to like you say when you've got everyone that's at a roughly similar level of fitness across the board right slight strengths and weaknesses but then okay like what's the deciding factor and being able to like concentrate and focus on especially if I think almost more so if something simple of like not letting your mind wander and like focus on that simple task doing it repeatedly repeatedly and making sure like the hundredth reps as good as the first or whatever it might be I remember that with Rich Froning like the CrossFit guy in the games and he said that he was like I just work at the same level the whole way through the CrossFit games he's like other people go super intense then they dip on something and then they're really intense again and they dip he's like I just work at the same level same pace and I'll be like sixth after the third event and then I'm like fourth after the tenth or whatever it is and then eventually I'm first <clears throat> well because even one of them I mean it's not really a spoiler but one of them so it's called the punishment of Atlas and it's literally you've got a 50 kilo ball that you just have to hold at the shoulder for as long as you can and there's four four people in it and then and it's not really a spoiler, but one of them is a massive bodybuilder yeah. and doesn't last too long, even yeah. though he looks like he'll be very good at it. And then there's a strong man who is very good at it. And then I think it's a maybe a crossfitter who is also quite, no, maybe a bodybuilder who's also quite big. And again, you don't think will be that good at it, but then is. And they end up holding for over two hours. Jesus. Yeah. So it's literally just standing for two hours. You can move the you can move the ball around a move bit, it but around. it's literally comes down to the two of them and you're literally stood next to someone else, you're like, Oh, how fatigued are they? Do they look fatigued? Yeah. Even though they're all dripping in sweat. And that's as soon as you say fifty kilo ball hold at the shoulder, immediately you go like, Okay, strength. Whereas two hours of it is then endurance. Strength Posture, endurance. endurance. Yeah, legs, yeah, yeah. core. Arms, yeah. everything. Yeah. Technique of where you can hold it so that you're in the least fatiguing position. Yeah. Rather than just, oh, I'm going to brute force it and use yeah. my bicep to hold it over the side of me and then sort of anti sort of leaning over to one side core wise. Yeah. It's all, and especially anything in a competitive environment against other fit people, again, it becomes very mindset of how much pain can you endure. Yeah. Because you can physically do the, the movement. It's just then how long can you hold on for? Yeah against someone else because as soon as you drop it you're out out there's no no back seas <laughs> it's like when you go rock climbing and someone if you go rock climbing with someone that's like 
lean or strong in the gym and you're like, oh, they'll be awesome at it. And then they try and do basically pull-ups up the wall or like reverse bicep curl their way up the wall and then they're knackered by the time they get halfway up the wall versus like being able to get positionally feet high, legs high and power from your lower body rather than your upper body. Similar with that, you just assume like, okay, bodybuilder, strong, must be able to pick it up and hold it. But then, like you say... I mean, like, quadzilla. Yeah. Humongous size (laughs) and full body. And it's like, oh, he started sweating after, like, five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, like, if you're relatively strong to pick up 50 kilos, then your endurance starts to play into it, or muscular endurance starts to play into it in core work. And you can take that person into, like, deeper water, as it were. It's like, oh, cool, you can pick it up really easily. How long can you hold it? (laughs) Yeah. So one of them, again, you get to, if you win a round, you get an advantage because you get to pick partly if you're, what your next thing will be. So you can pick to choose your strengths if you've won a round. So there is that competitive element of if you were to put everyone to do the same task, you'd be like, of course, anyone who's got the right adaptations would win. Yeah. But that's where it's interesting over the rounds you might have to play some sort of tactic to get through to the next round if you're not good at it. But then the next round, you might be very good at something, you just don't know. Um, So it was very interesting, again, to see all the different physiques and adaptations from specific training and how they carry over into being good at stuff, not being good at stuff. Are there ways around it? So again, you, you use skill rather than just brute force, fitness... Um, I yeah, tr- it was it was a good watch. Yeah, with I'm a bit of fast forwarding now and then. Dubbing. <laughs> I think like we were talking about it the other week, and even when I started out PTing and in the gym, there was like a little realization. I remember seeing a guy that was like in the gym lifting weights in a shirt, like looked quite lean, lean shoulders, lean arms, and things like that. Quite big arms. And then you see in the change room after and then you, he was getting changed and you're like, oh, he's not got a six pack or not like super lean. And you, I, that was my first realisation of I just expected anyone that was like relatively athletic in some capacity or like aesthetic in some capacity, like would be all over versus like, you know, we've all seen people that have just trained upper body and no legs and things like that or never trained legs. So equally, like, looking at someone's aesthetic doesn't necessarily give you any indication of fitness. Like, someone that's super lean, aesthetically in the gym, doesn't necessarily excel at something you might cons- you might assume they can. And I think a lot of the time, I used to get it as a personal trainer of, like, oh, surely any personal trainer's goal is to do, you should be able to tick off, like, a marathon, and you should be able, I think I've had this before with, um, clients and they're like oh yeah surely you can deadlift x or run a marathon or do this it's like surely you can no. do everything yes yeah, like no it's completely dependent on what they're training for like what's important to them and all that kind of stuff that there's not just a for fitness and that's what makes it so fun and the group stuff as well so fun is you get that kind of cross admiration I think when people see other people doing stuff and like that's awesome and then there's a little bit of context and explaining of yeah that person's been training for that for a while or yep they're really suited to that they're really good at that 
be it pull-ups, be it aerobic work, be it recovery in between sets, whatever it might be. But then other people excel in other areas. And that's like a really important part, I think, across fitness to understand that you will be stronger and weaker in parts for sure. Um, it's a really good leveller, I think, because there's literally no one that I've ever met, seen on line, on TV, whatever, any kind of athlete that's good completely across the board. And it's a good leveller when you get to the classes that we do, for sure. Because also linking it back to the classes, it was, again, I don't know if it was just the dubbing, um, <laughs> but they're all very supportive of each other, even yeah. in a highly competitive yeah. environment. Um, and especially at the beginning when they're sort of meeting each other, like, oh, I've seen you on YouTube, or oh, I used to follow yeah. your sport, and oh, you're massive in your sport, and they're sort of like, so you even get very fit, aesthetic people looking at other people from different sort of classes and performance areas thinking, oh man, you're so cool, and sort of admiration across the board, rather than just, I like my sport, if people don't look like me, then they're a failure in fitness. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even when people were sort of out, there's still sort of a good cheering people on because you want, it becomes, sounds a bit woo-woo, but it becomes more about the the sport and achieving things and doing things well rather than individuals beating other individuals. Yeah. People want to see a good a good competitive environment and see how those challenges do. Yeah. So like one of them is an infinite rope climb <clears throat> where the rope slowly moves and then you've got to stay above it and then over time it starts to drop faster and faster. So again even if you're very good at it, you're still going to be challenged because you're going to be grip strength fatigued, etc., etc. But people will still cheer you on and you know you're going to be good at stuff. And so it's good to see, again, just different support levels of the different capacities of what the body can do. It doesn't yeah. mean you have to be good at this or you're a failure because then you might look at someone else and be like, oh, but actually that person can climb a rope for 20 minutes, whereas that strong man could maybe climb it for, if they can even climb it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, back to the being in commercial gyms and judging and stuff as well, generally you'll find, like that, the people that are at the, or that you deem to be at the higher end of fitness capacity and whatever they do, probably have the most admiration for a, other people starting out and trying to begin with because they've been on that route at some point themselves and have an understanding of it and people doing things that they're not necessarily strong at. And look, like I watch Strongman and think it's incredible and stuff like that and whenever it's on TV and listen to podcasts with bodybuilders and stuff, anyone that's met me in person knows I'm very far from a Strongman and or a bodybuilder. I still find it super impressive. I can appreciate the dedication seeing someone deadlift 500 kilos is awesome regardless of like it's not necessarily my goal or anything along my line of fitness but it's still pretty incredible even like the classes the other week we're joking around and uh david does quite a lot of the classes on a saturday and where are you going with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i was watching that and i like i mean we all give give each other a bit of banter and a bit of stick but we're doing like cleans and presses and he had like a 30 kilo dumbbell for 10 reps and I was watching I was like 
yeah, that's actually really impressive. Like, I've got nothing to give you banter about on that. I was watching it, I was like, I'm very far from ever doing that. But I was like, it was impressive to see and it was cool to watch. Don't look at my struggle face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And equally, when I see someone, you know, doing... And then see me doing repeats on the ski again and I have to pass that up. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) Intensity levels and stuff like that. And yeah, seeing people do, I don't know, achieve something they haven't done previously or anything like that is awesome to see. Um, It's still impressive. Like for me across the board, seeing someone new in the door achieve something or do something they've worked towards um, or find out that they're a lot better at something that they perceive that they might be. Um, I always find that enjoyable and really impressive. I think that's why we're probably still doing PT and probably still training people. I do think across the board, no matter of background, once you sort of break through a bit of a barrier, working physically hard in a positive social environment is really enjoyable. I mean, it might not feel it at the time, but... I think most people, if you can physically do the movement or whatever it is, and then push something and work your body physically hard, it does feel good. As much as people sort of say, oh, you know, endorphins and bits and pieces. Um, Generally, just finding out what you are capable of and then any kind of improvement across the board in anything, ski erg, weight, a swing, a ball slam, a range of motion, a core exercise doing repeats or being able to survive a class without completely dying versus just dying it's all I tend to find it all feels good especially in a group environment because it's nice to see other people struggling and pushing through and then coming at the other end knowing you've worked hard and it didn't actually kill you yeah we had um is a really good example actually a family trained together last night that normally train separately so there's um mum and dad and then son and fiance um they normally train as like tutus and they train together a few times but actually seeing across the board throughout that session like admiration between the four of them for different stuff and they're all at slightly different levels of someone like for example, dad watching son do weighted chin-ups, impressive, like, or watching fiancé do a super intense hamstring exercise, super impressive. Heavy hip thrusts. Yeah. And then watching mum and dad do some pretty intense aerobic work at the end of a session that they all know previously they wouldn't have been able to get through. So within that four, there's like a little mini microcosm of everything that goes on, of them all having strengths, weaknesses, admiration for one doing the other thing. Um, They obviously all know each other closely, so seeing a level of improvement as well. And that impresses all of them, no matter what stage they're at in terms of fitness and things like that. There's still a little bit of a raise of the eyebrows and... That's that's pretty cool to see. That's pretty cool to watch. Cool. Like nice work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that sort of stuff, and that that there's like like you said about the endorphins in terms of from training. There's no real substitute for that, is there? Of leaving with a bit of a spring in your step because someone else has had a bit of admiration for something you can do or something that you couldn't 
do previously that you are able to do now and things like that and seeing progression. And that's a lot of the environment that we try to encourage for the most part. And it's why specifically around the classes and things like that, and especially the Saturdays, the Tuesdays, we're putting in a bit more structure and <clears throat> measurable markers throughout the sessions so that people can come and it's far less of a just come and sweat and come and get a good session and then kind of enjoy the weekend. There's actually a little bit of, oh, I'm showing improvement across here. And it's always a difficult marker, I think, down the line because like weight training, weight loss, all that kind of stuff is very numerically based I think on for fitness on the whole of like you can lift more or you lose weight or whatever it might be but a lot of the aerobic stuff that people do in general and I think this across classes in general is that it's yeah people look at heart rate and things like that but they don't necessarily have a measurable I did more distance in that same time frame than I previously did I recovered better because I looked at my heart rate and it's taken me 45 seconds to come back down to 60% versus two minutes or whatever it might have been. Um, or I'm putting out X power on the bike or on the ski. Like 15 second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. And having actual measurables to mark your fitness, aerobic fitness or lactate threshold or whatever it might be, rather than just, I'm lifting a heavier weight, I'm lifting a heavier kettlebell, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah that's something we're trying to incorporate more and more into the Saturday stuff as well and it also shows then across the board people's strengths and weaknesses a lot more rather than going through a class and I think for a lot of people it's quite surprising like how good they were at something they perceived they were fairly weak at or because I found that and I think that's why the group stuff works in general I found that a lot with one-to-one clients in the past as you'd be training someone for a period of time and we kind of take it for granted if someone's trained for a long period of time and you can give someone a bit of a boost of like, oh, that's cool, that's really impressive and stuff. But to actually see comparison across the board of relatively how strong you are and where you are and all that kind of stuff can be a massive boost. I think I find anyway, the vast majority of people that I've trained one-to-one in the past haven't seen comparison across other people massively underestimate the impressive nature of the stuff they're doing a lot of the time yeah agreed plus it's fun yeah <laughs> most of the time most of the time except for when you're lying on the floor with your feet up in the air <laughs> yeah. get That's me blood bit, back because then, then you know it's over <laughs> yeah yeah but I think it is I mean like I say with the classes everyone's on a slightly different journey in goal setting we've talked about this in the past of whether people fall under performance based fitness based or general health or whatever it might be and so having an understanding of that where your goal set is and then where your work capacity is and what you're building towards is important to give it context but it's always nice to have a little bit of a cross-reference I suppose and see other people doing stuff similar to you that we're not just telling you, yeah, that is really strong, that is really impressive. Um, I feel everyone can achieve a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Because, again, everything is relative. So anyone, wherever you are in a class, you can always come, feel like you've worked hard, tried to improve on something, whatever that may be. And then over time, a bit of consistency, it will improve. 
because that's what the body does magically. Yeah. I think it's important, those markers, and it's why stuff, like we've talked about Tough Mudders and things in the past, or races, whatever it might be, 10Ks, park runs, that kind of thing, everyone wants physically that sort of sense of achievement on whatever goal it might be, whatever that achievement is to you. So whether it's like a certain time, whether it's completing something, whether it's position, whether it's a marker of something in the gym, like achieving a press up or whatever it might be, everyone likes that sense of setting a goal, working towards it, achieving it. Um, And that can build across anything. I mean, we get it a lot in, you know, work. People know what they've got to do from a work standpoint, achieving a goal, achieving a target from a work base. And we're trying to do that across fitness as well Um, for day-to-day people, for anyone that, you know, isn't elite athletes, basically, that you can still have that level of achievement and performance and everyone feels the same regardless. I think that's always important to measure is someone that's, you know, doing something quicker or lifting more or something like that. The feelings, the emotions, the adrenaline, all of that kind of stuff is the same across the board. Like whether you're deadlifting for the first time or you're deadlifting double body weight or you're running 10K in an hour and it's your first 10K or you're winning the race or whatever it might be, all of the same feelings apply. It all feels good. Yep. And everyone can achieve that. Especially without the judgmental eyes. Exactly that. Which we don't have here. Exactly that. Apart from Tilly. Yeah. She occasionally looks judgmental. <laughs> That's the pug. That's just sits in the corner. Looking her up. Yeah. <laughs> Keep ju- it down, guys. Either judgmental or looking for treats. <laughs> Excellent. So that is it from us. Um... Go and check out the... Physical 100 on Netflix. Physical 100. The Korean Netflix. Um, Look out for the classes coming up in the future. Everyone wish Pete and Jake and Verity a happy (laughs) birthday. A happy, happy birthday for the end of this month. And we hope you all have a good week and we will catch you again. Hopefully see you Saturday morning for the class. Saturday morning class. And we will see you again next week.